to do. Jesus, you deserve the praise and the glory. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. As we're staying, we can go to the word of the Lord today. The book of 1 Kings, the 8th chapter. We start reading in verse 5. The word of the Lord says, King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel that were assembled unto him were with him before the ark, sacrificing sheep and oxen that could not be told nor numbered for multitude. The priests brought in the ark of the covenant of the Lord unto his place, into the oracle of the house, the most holy place, even under the wings of the cherubims. But the cherubims spread forth their two wings over the place of the ark, and the cherubims covered the ark and the staves thereof above. When they drew out the staves, at the ends of the staves were seen out of the holy place before the oracle, and they were not seen without, and they are unto this day. There was nothing in the ark save the two tables of stone, which Moses put in there at Horeb, when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel, and when they came out of the land of Egypt. And it came to pass, when the priests were come out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. Amen. What an amazing account that is written for us to read. Amen. And I want to preach to you today from this title, The Glory of the Sacrifice. The glory of the sacrifice. Turn to a few people. Greet them in the name of the Lord as you're seated today. Amen. The, the Hebrew word for glory literally means a weight or heaviness, meaning that glory is something that can be experienced. Whether you feel it or you see it or hear it, glory is something that you can encounter and will have an impact on your life. Now, we don't use the word glory really outside of the Bible all too often, and in, in reference to God, uh, but the Bible uses the exact word, uh, but translated it differently and more frequently when it talks about man. And we understand and we know the word honor. Uh, to be honored means that you have the respect of others for who you are and what you've done. Is it, it is a source of credit or distinction that separates you. And, and in the Hebrew, honor is described as an ornament, a, a beauty of uh, someone, about someone, a, a glow that they may have. In the military, medals are given for achievements and commitments as soldiers' uh, service uniforms will be decorated with these medals and pins, uh, giving them a certain rank and honor. But not just uniforms signal honor and respect, but positions and titles do as well. 
A person may not have accomplished much, but the position or title they have gives them honor because of their title. The, the President of the United States is the highest position and most powerful title in all the world. This position doesn't require it to be fulfilled with someone who has met certain accomplishments or achievements in military. While majority of the presidents have served in the military before being elected, being a veteran is not required to hold this title. Uh, many presidents before have not, and yet their position, their office makes them commander-in-chief of the United States Armed Forces. doesn't matter if you know anything about the military or not. Your position, your title as president gives you uh, the, the control of the army. And whether you voted for the president or not, his office and his position has its own honor and respect that comes with it. When the president enters the room, everyone stands. I haven't experienced that, and I don't know if I ever will, but that's what I hear. Uh, all of attention is turned to the president because of his uh, position and his title and who he is. It doesn't matter what you think or, or your buddies were talking about. Everything comes to a halt when the president enters the room. That's honor. Uh, another impact that one one's glory or honor has is that it precedes them, kind of like a reputation. Whether it be good or bad, it goes before someone and you hear about them before you can actually meet them because that's their honor, their glory that kind of precedes them. Um, because even though uh, uh, Hitler was an evil man, he had a terrible reputation and people uh, uh, knew that about him without even meeting him. Um, nowadays, someone's glory or honor goes before them by the way of red and blue lights. When you see cop cars awaiting at every intersection, you know something's happening. You know somebody's more important than you are because you're there waiting for them to go by. Uh, there, you know that somebody honorable is coming through, and it doesn't matter who they are, whether you like them or not, whether the policeman likes them or not, all traffic is stopped when that person arrives or that ceremony or whatever, whatever's happening. Uh, just think about what extents are gone when an honorable person is coming into, a, into town. Whether it be the President of the United States, wherever he is going. The Secret Service goes ahead of him days or weeks in advance to prepare the place because somebody honorable is coming. To search every detail uh, along every planned route that he's going to go. Every business, every shop, every person along the way will be looked into. All because the President of the United States is coming down that path. And, and, and so let me ask you, if the President was going to come to your house, what would you do? Take a week off of work and clean every speck of dust? Uh, repair every crack and crevice, and, and, and your husband would have to take a week off of work to clean everything up, repaint the whole outside. I mean, who knows what, what, what would happen. Uh, be on the hands and knees with a toothbrush and scrubbing every inch of grout and pulling every weed out of your yard. It, it, I'd be in a lot of trouble because it would probably be better that uh, uh, I burned down my house so they just it would have no reason to come. That might be quicker. 
All of this is done for the honor of a human being, of a man. But how much more should man do when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is coming into your life, is coming into your town, and not just into your town, but when His presence sweeps into this building and in His inviting His glory and His presence into our homes, into our lives, into our hearts, how much more should we prepare the way of the Lord and make His path straight when He has so much glory and honor, much more than any man or woman? Amen. We should be giving God all of our heart, all of of our strength, all of our mind, because if we go out of our way for somebody, but we don't give God that same respect, then what does that say about us and what we think about God? I, I, Exodus 33, for the Lord has said unto Moses, say unto the children of Israel, you're a stiff-necked people, I will come into the midst of thee for a moment and consume thee. Therefore, now put off thy ornaments from thee, whatever you think you, you glorify yourself with, whatever honor you think that you have, somebody more honorable is getting ready to come into your presence, so you take off all your, all your ornaments, all your jewels, that I, that I may know what to do unto thee. And the children of, Oreb, uh, of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by the Mount Horeb. We see the people of Israel cleansing themselves, Cleansing their lives, their homes. Why? Because God, you, they heard that God was going to come and visit them. God was coming in. The power and the presence of God was going to be coming down. And they were going to be in the midst of the glory of God. And God told them, hey, you guys need to clean yourself up because I'm coming in your midst. Get rid of your idols. Get rid of your ornaments, your jewelry. Get rid of your sin. Get rid, because the almighty God is getting ready to make a visit. And so that's why the first thing that we do, we need to do, we should do when coming uh, to the Lord is to repent, to, to cleanse ourselves, to say, God, search me, Lord. Get rid of all this uncleanliness. Get rid of any filthiness in my life. Why? Because if you're going to be coming into my presence, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to be here. And so, God, search me, cleanse me, prepare me, get rid of all that junk in my heart and sanctify me because your presence is coming in. And the place that he's going to dwell in had better be clean. That's why he said, you guys need to get rid of all your stuff. I'm coming in. And so we're talking about the glory of God and all his greatness and all his majesty and all his righteousness and, and how holy he is. And so where does one even begin and how can mankind describe God's glory? However perfectly we may attempt to do it, we won't ever come close to explaining the fullness of the glory of God. John the Baptist said he wasn't worthy to untie or tie uh, his sandals. And yet here we are. His spirit is living inside of us. That should stop us in our tracks every single day. That should cause us to act a little bit differently. That should cause us to look a little bit differently or, or to dress differently. Hey, the spirit of the living God is inside of me. I got to make sure my vessel is clean because his glory is is near and in my presence. When the majority of Christianity profess that they have the Spirit of God and yet they you can't pick them out from a lineup of sinners. 
They look like unbelievers, and uh, that goes to show me that they really don't have a hold of the Spirit of God that, that they think they do, that they got a hold of something else, because if we truly have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, there should be a difference in our lives. Otherwise, why are we here? There should be a noticeable difference. Why? Because it's the Spirit of the living God, unlike anything else this world has to know. And if we claim that we have Him inside of us, that we should stand out. We should look differently. Why would I commit my life to follow Christ if I look and act no different than an atheist? Who's going to believe me if I don't even stand out? That's why he calls us out from the world to be separate and, and to cleanse ourselves and prepare ourselves and get rid of our ornaments and anything we, we like to, to make ourselves look good. we got to get rid of all that. Why? Because the presence of the living God is coming in our lives and going to dwell in our midst. And so we got to prepare ourselves. And, it, it, you know, it may have been a, a one-time event back then in the Old Testament or a, a, a frequent event, but in the New Testament it's different. We're, we, we, we walk around every single day of every moment of the day having the Spirit of God inside of us. And so we, our lives should be so much different and vastly different than what this world has uh, because we have something different, don't we? It is one thing to hear about the glory and honor of a person, but it is something different to actually see it and behold it. All these things uh, I, I mentioned about. Uh, of the president coming through and, and the Secret Service coming up a, a week ahead. I mean, we just hear about it, but if you're av- actually able to see it, you need to, you'd understand the depth uh, uh, and the gravity of the moment and, and the honor and the glory uh, of this title, of this person. Uh, but until you experience it for yourself, it, it just kind of has uh, a, a spot in your mind and you may not dwell on it much. But Second uh, Chronicles 9 says, When the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she came to prove Solomon with hard questions at at Jerusalem and very great company and camels that bear spices and and gold in abundance and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. In verse 5, and she said to the king, it was a true report which I heard in mine own land of thine acts and of thy wisdom. How be it, I believed not their words until I came. It sounded nice, but I had to go see it for myself. And mine eyes have seen it, and behold, the one half of the greatness of thy wisdom was not even told to me, for thou exceedest the fame that I heard. And she, she had heard about Solomon's glory, but once she saw it, once she experienced it, it blew her away. And all the greatness that she heard, she said, it doesn't even amount to half of what she heard or experienced. You see, the Bible tries to put into words the glory of God, the glory of the Lord. And it will blow our minds at what we hear, that how he is a deliverer and how he is a healer, that he is mighty in battle. But I know that once you see and experience him for yourself of of who he is and what he can do, that you heard he was a healer and then he actually heals you. That just blows your mind away, doesn't it? When you hear about the miracles and God touches you and restores you and he delivers you out of your situation. You can hardly believe it. You heard about it, but now you're experiencing the glory of God. 
and the half is to be told. You can't even put it all in the words of what you're feeling and describing. And, and we try to do our best, but our, our minds are just stunned when he goes and he fights for us. And he, and he opens doors and he answers prayers. We're humbled. And I just don't want to hear about the glory of God, but I want to see it for myself. I want to experience it for myself. I want to grab a hold of his presence and, and have an encounter with him. Because once you do, there's no going back. Because you are a different person. And it all begins with repentance, be, uh, telling God how sorry you are, how unworthy you are. And, and he says, that's okay, I forgive you. I paid your price for your sins. And, and that, that after repentance leads to water baptism as he commanded us. And so if you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, that's the only way to get baptized according to the Bible. That's the only way the apostles and disciples baptize people. And so that's why we're baptized in the water with Jesus' name. And then you're on your way to cleansing your vessel and preparing yourself. And after you're baptized and you receive the Holy Ghost evidence by speaking in other tongues, you get the Holy Spirit inside of you. And then the transformation begins to take place because that spirit is now not just on the outside, but now it's working on the inside. Amen. And so if you haven't experienced that, uh, God wants to pour out his spirit in your life today. He wants to touch you, and I believe that he can and he will fill you. Amen. And so the physical manifestation of God has come to be called the Shekinah, Shekinah glory. It's the, the majestic presence or manifestation of God in which he descends down to and he dwells among men. And he, he makes himself known in a, in, in a certain way, Shekinah glory. Whenever the invisible God becomes visible and whenever the omnipresence of God is localized, this is the Shekinah glory. And this Shekinah glory is what we've seen in our text in 1 Kings 8 and 10. It came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. Now as a spirit-filled believer, this description excites us that the glory and power of God was so strong and so evident that priests could no longer minister. That they just became so overwhelmed with God's presence and, and the manifestation of his presence that they couldn't move or they couldn't do anything. They had to say, I, I, we got to get out of the way. It's, the cloud is so thick here we can't even do our normal duties. We're just going to bask in the, in the glory of God. We're just going to let God move and have his way that our schedule is no longer important anymore. We're going to let God move and we want the manifestation of the glory of God in this place. And, and so we, we read that and we think, man, what an amazing account. The manifestation of God's presence had happened before, then before this time. There are many instances in Israel's history where the presence of God was manifested by a cloud. Probably the most common or well-known instance is when Israel was fleeing Egypt and there appeared, what, a, a cloud by day. 
and a pillar of fire by night to, to lead them. What do you think that was? That was a, a manifestation of God's glory of his presence. And, and it continued on while they wandered in the wilderness. And yet, they still murmured and complained. In the midst of God's glory, pillars of fire, pillars of cloud all around you looking at you in the middle of nowhere. And still, they murmured and complained. After seeing that every single day, they still got to the Jordan River and said, we can't go over into the promised land. They're too great for us that we, we can't defeat them. Can, can you imagine that? Can you imagine walking out of your tent at night and seeing a massive pillar of fire, three, four hundred feet tall. I don't know how tall it was, but it, was, it had to be massive. Just kind of hovering over the Israelite camp, uh, hovering right over the tabernacle, a big pillar of fire. And then you come out in the morning and the pillar of fire is gone, uh, but a pillar of cloud was there in its place, hovering over the tabernacle. All out in the middle of nowhere. You're out in the middle of the desert and this is happening. But if that wasn't enough to stir their faith, and make you a believer in the supernatural power of God, then what about watching the cloud lift up and start moving? And when that happened, that was their orders that they were to pick up, and you start moving. When the cloud goes up, and you pack up your clothes, your belongings, and you start looking for the cloud because the cloud is leading them through the wilderness. And so when the cloud goes up, you pack up and you start following that cloud. And uh, wherever it was, out in the middle of the desert. And when the cloud appeared and came back down, guess what? That's where you were camping. Didn't matter if you liked the place or not. It wouldn't matter if it was a, a bed of rocks that you made your bed on. That's where the cloud came down, and so that's where God wants us to be. And so we got to get it into the habit of, of, of looking for the cloud, looking for the glory, the Spirit of God, because he's trying to lead his people through this world, and I don't want to be going off on my own place, my own campsites, and doing my own thing. I've got to be looking for the Spirit of God where he's leading me each and every single day. Exodus 40 says, when the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the children of Israel went onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud were not taken up, then they journeyed not till the day it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day, and fire was on it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Every house, every tent could see this. Talk about living by faith. Talk about living in the supernatural. It was every single day. It was a supernatural encounter with the Almighty God. For the, for the Israelites seeing the power and the glory of God at work every single day. And all this time from leaving Egypt until the arrival at the Jordan River, God is doing everything. 
God is leading and, and God is guiding them and, and God is healing them and, and God is protecting them and God is manifesting himself and, and miracles and signs and wonders and, and water springing up from rocks and manna showing up on the ground every morning and, and quail and fresh meat was coming in at the evening time for you to go. My goodness, what more do you need in your life to live for God? What more do you need in your life to live for God? How many more miracles need to be done? And how much more of His presence needs to be manifested in their lives? And when it came time for the Israelites to exercise their faith, when it came time for them to do something, because God had been doing everything, when it came time for them to do something, Now it's time for you to take all that you've seen, all that you've experienced, and all that you felt here in the camp, and to go over and to put it to use in that other side of the river, and to take this fire to the inhabitants of the land, and I'm going to give you victory over there. Take the supernatural that is here with you to the strangers that you encounter over there, and I will be with you just like I've been with you all this time in here. All of this that I've done for you is not for show. It's not for entertainment. My glory and power that you've witnessed and experienced is to increase your faith and to strengthen your resolve and to get you to understand that if my God is for me, who can be against me? That I understand and know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. Why? Because I've got a pillar of fire by me. I've got a cloud, a pillar of cloud by the day leading me and then nothing's going to stand in my way when I've got God on my side. And yet, Israel goes into the land and walks with the strangers and comes back and says, we can't do it. We can't do it. They're too great for us. They're too strong for us. They're too big. We we feel like grasshoppers. And and instead of them being afraid of us because we have a pillar of fire right at our back on our side, instead we are afraid of them. They got so used to seeing the supernatural that it really didn't mean much anymore. They got so used to seeing the the glory of God that it didn't really have any effect on their lives outside of the wilderness. See, you and I, we gather together multiple times a week in this building, and and we have the power of God show up and and manifest here, and, and we feel His Spirit moving in our midst, and we have the most dynamic and spiritually charged services in Lee County, and while we are witnessing the pillar of fire falling here in the cloud, in the glory of God, while we are here, in here, bouncing off the walls, all of this, no doubt, supercharges our faith that we can believe for the impossible. But yet, I ask you, what do we look like out there? What do we look like on the other side of the river? Over here, 
the fire is flowing and, and the cloud is everywhere. But what do we look on the other side of the Jordan walking while we're walking amongst strangers? Are, are we carrying any of the fire from in here out there? Are, are we carrying any of the glory from here out there? Uh, does any of the supernatural in here get spread and shared out there? Or do we keep it high, hidden in the wilderness and we don't really say anything about it? In here, we know that God shows up and does kind of does everything, but out there, we have to walk by faith and, and not by sight. And out there is where the enemy's camp is, and, and out there is where we really have to believe that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. You see, out there is where our exor- we exercise our faith. In believing that God has given us power over the enemy. The the miracles, signs, and wonders that we witness and hear can just as easily manifest themselves out there. They can just as easily show up out there. If you're walking by faith and say, hey, I'm going to pray for somebody that's sick. I believe that God can heal them out there just as much and just as quick as he can in here. And so the things that we experience in the camp... We need to make sure we're taking it with us out there. But God help us if we get so used to the supernatural that it doesn't have any effect on us out there. God help us if we see the fire and and see the glory of God and, and feel his presence moving in our camp. But out there where it is needed most, it's not released. We are not called to be the the generation that says we can't do it. But we are called to be the people who say, well, we are well able to rise up. That we have the power. We have the fire. We have the promised victory. That every step that I take, God's going to give it to me. We have experienced the supernatural in our lives. And we need to cross over the river into the promised land and let others see and experience God for themselves. See, we have experienced enough of the supernatural to last a lifetime. But it's time for us to go out and to release it. Release it into our homes and and into our neighborhoods and into our city and watch God do even more in us and through us because it can only get bottled up so much in here. It's time for a release that God use us out there and say, God, use me. God, lead me. Lead me by the pillar of fire. Lead me by that pillar of cloud to somebody that I can pray for and that I can minister to and that I can witness to. Because what good is having all of this bottled up inside the camp if it's not used out in the, in, the, in the wilderness, if it's not used out in the land of strangers? Musicians, if you would come. With the tabernacle plan that God gave Moses to build, there was a process that God expected to be followed. First, the animal would be brought to the brazen altar, and there it was inspected and, and, and killed by the priest. His blood was poured out, and then the body of the animal was thrown upon the altar to be burned and consumed as the sacrifice. 
And then the priest would go to the labor and he'd wash himself because he's getting ready to enter into the holy place. And he had to have clean hands, a clean heart. He had to be purified before he went in because it was the holy place. And inside the holy place was the lampstand, the table of showbread, and the altar of incense. And also, most importantly, in there was the holy of holies, where the ark of the covenant resided with the mercy seat and the two cherubim angels hovering over it. You see, it was in there, in the holy of holies, did the glory of God manifest himself with the high priest behind those curtains, behind that veil. We don't know the encounter that they had and the experience that they had behind the veil, but that's where the glory of God fell and contacted with man. It was there that God and man connected. It was there that man felt and seen and experience the supernatural presence of the Almighty God. And man couldn't just walk up into the Holy of Holies whenever he felt like it. He couldn't just say, I'm going to go take a peek. There was the process that had to be followed. Otherwise, the glory of God would strike the man down. This was the everyday life. For the Levites, the priests, the ones who were ministering unto God. They knew the process and procedures that were to be followed according to God's plan. And, and they saw the cloud of God's glory come down and uh, over the tabernacle day after day. And time after time, they, they watched it go up and come down and go up and come down and uh, but what is the danger in that is they can become so used to the supernatural that it really doesn't have any effect on our lives anymore like it should and maybe like it did at one point. Aaron was the high priest and his sons Nadab and Abihu were so used to the supernatural they were so used to seeing the glory of God and, and being in the presence and being under the cloud and, and feeling and experiencing whatever they experienced. They were so used to it that it became the normal, everyday, meaningless tasks. And what did they do? The Bible says they brought forth strange fire into the house of God. Strange fire into the house of God. They, they knew the process. They knew where to get the fire from. There's only one source to get the fire from, but they're bringing their own fuel source and the, under their own um, uh, authority and mindset. And, and what happened is when they brought strange fire in, God struck them dead. He struck them dead right on the spot. Maybe they burned up by their own fire. I don't know what happened, but they, they brought strange fire in, and God says, no, you know better. You know the process. You're Aaron's sons. You've been in my presence before. You know the weight of my glory. You know what you need to do, and yet they bring strange fire, and God says, that's enough. They were so used to the supernatural we thought we could just take any fire. We can just go here and do there and go do this. And isn't that what we do? 
But it, yeah, but it, it, it can't just be any fire. It can't be any fire. It's got to be fire from the altar where God uh, himself lights it. It's got to come from the right sacrifice and and follow the right process. Uh, Sometimes we can get so used to the process that we forget the meaning and reason behind everything. That we, we just thought that we do A, B, and C, and then God shows up. What does it matter what A, B, and C looks like? We can bring our own fire in A, and, and God should still show up, right? And fire is fire, isn't it? No, Nadab and Abihu, you were so used to seeing the glory of God that it didn't affect you anymore like it should have. See, you can go through all the steps, but if God isn't in each step, the glory of God's not going to show up. But I thought the glory always shows up. The the glory will show up in the Holy of Holies when when everything is followed uh, according to the Word of God. And it always begins with the sacrifice. You see, if there's no sacrifice, then there's no glory. You can't skip the steps and run right to the Holy of Holies and say, God, uh, let me be in your presence. And, And God, pour out your spirit. And God, do this and God, do that. If you haven't even begun the first step, which begins at the altar of sacrifice and the altar of repentance. That's why we repent because we ourselves get upon the altar and say, God, here am I. God, crucify me. God, I'm not worthy to go into the Holy of Holies. And yet, here I am. God, consume me and burn me and purge me. So that I may go into the Holy of Holies. If there's no sacrifice, then there's no glory. If the sacrifice is worthy, if it isn't worthy enough, then there's nothing in the Holy of Holies. Just because you you drug an animal and, and sacrifice it doesn't mean it's the right animal. God demanded their best. He demanded their first. He, he demanded the, the, the first, their firstborn of, of their, their flock. And, and what, the, the, it cannot have any spots or blemishes. You bring a blemished cow uh, to be sacrificed, there's not going to be any glory at the end for you because your sacrifice was not worthy. It wasn't lined up with according to the word of God. The sacrifice determines the glory. And so if you want a greater glory in your life, guess what? you got to have a greater sacrifice. The sacrifice isn't your best. If it's second best, then there's not going to be any glory. If your sacrifice isn't your first fruit, then the holy of holies is going to be empty. And we come here and we gather here Sunday mornings, and you may you may walk in at eleven o'clock or whenever you get here, and and we we're singing songs and we feel the power and the glory of God come down and 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 if we're not careful we can just think oh all we got to do is just show up and and play a few songs and then God himself is going to come in well that's not how it happened folks how it happens is is people are sacrificing early hours before church they're coming here praying they're giving out their time they're saying oh god uh, we we need you today we need you in this service today i'm going to come and give myself and sacrifice my time in prayer. And so then the service begins and then the glory of God comes down. 
But if we're not careful, we think it's just, just because we're showing up. No, I believe it's because people showed up early to the altar and say, hey, God, we want you to move today. We need your glory today. We need to show you to show up today like never before. And God honors a sacrifice of prayer that went on even before the service began. And yet we can walk in here and say, whew, man, what a great time. And not even really even contributing to the sacrifice of what came today. You stand with me today. It came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand and minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. And so we say that, that, that we want to see that in our, in our services, that we want to see the glory of God like that where it just comes down and disrupts everything in our lives, disrupts the service, and we can't minister so much of His glory that we can't even move anymore. There's nothing wrong with asking for that. There's nothing wrong with desiring that. We, we want to see revival and, and we want to see an outpouring of God's spirit like never before. And we believe the prophecy that the latter rain is going to be greater than the former rain. And we want to see miracles, signs, and wonders to the like which we have never seen before. But yet let me ask you, for the glory of God to come down like that, like we're asking What is it going to cost? What is it going to take for that? We can easily just say, oh, send revival, Lord. Lord, let your glory, show show us your glory, Lord. That's easy to say. There's a price that has to be paid in the beginning for the glory to come down in the Holy of Holies. The price that day In verse 5, King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel that were assembled unto him were with him before the ark, sacrificing sheep and oxen that could not be told nor numbered for multitude. You want the glory to come down so thick you can't minister? you got to offer up a sacrifice that can't even be counted. A sacrifice so great that it could not be numbered. And so the glory that comes down in the Holy of Holies is connected to the brazen altar in the beginning. What gets put up on the altar is going to show up in the end. Small sacrifice in the beginning, maybe a small cloud at the end. Unworthy sacrifice, no cloud in the end. Sacrifice that can't be numbered. A cloud that is so great and so heavy that priests cannot minister. And yet we say that we want revival and we want the whole southwest Florida to be filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. There's nothing wrong with that. But maybe we need to start asking ourselves, what's it going to take to see that? What's it going to take for God to pour out His Spirit here in Lee County like never before, in Southwest Florida never before? It's easy to say, God, do that. But God's maybe God's looking at the altar and saying, I need a sacrifice for that. And so who's going who's gonna to be the sacrifice? 
Are the sinners out there, are they gonna, do they know about this? They're going to say, oh, the, I need a sacrifice so that the glory of God can come into my house and lead me to a church that preaches truth. If we really want to see a revival in our city, in our homes, in our neighborhood, we're the only one that knows about the process. We're the only one knows that there has to be a sacrifice. And so if we don't do the sacrifice, then who's going to do it? Where's the glory going to come? How's it going to come if, if the people of God get, get so used to it all that we don't even think about the process, we think that we can just show up and God's going to do His way. No, God needs somebody to say, I'm willing to be a sacrifice. I'm willing to lay down my cares and my wants. I'm willing to put down my kingdom and say, God, use me, Jesus. Use me, Lord, to do Your will. Use me to reach the lost, to reach the city of all around us because God God, if you don't use me, who are you going to use? There that day, the, the cloud fell down, filled the tabernacle that day so much that they couldn't minister. But yet that was really only privilege to the, the, the priest or the high priest that could go behind the veil. But with the death of, of Jesus Christ on the cross, what happened to that veil? The Bible says the veil was rent from top to the bottom. That means whatever was hiding back there, it can now be exposed. Now everyone has access to the Holy of Holies. You and I, we have become that. We have become the Holy of Holies. Why? Because that's where the glory comes in. That's where the Spirit of God comes and rests inside of us. Now we have to make sure that we rent ourselves. We've got to break ourselves if we want what's inside of us to re reach out to somebody else. And how was that done? Through sacrificing. Through, through prayer and dedication and fasting and, and, and not just going through the mundane and everyday normal things, but if we want to see a greater move than we've ever seen before, we're going to have to find an altar somewhere and say, God, use me, Jesus. God, search me, Jesus. Help me, Lord, to be a witness for you and reach out to those around me. I want to open up these altars today to those that are hungry for more of God those that are hungry for righteousness, those that want to see God do more in their lives, those that want to see God reach their family members, reach their lost loved ones. It's got to take a sacrifice. It's got to take somebody to say, I'll step in, God. I'll intercede. I'll be that sacrifice for my lost loved ones. I'll be the, the, the one that climbs upon the altar, God. Will you come? Will you come and seek his face? God's got so much in store for this church that we've got to make sure we get our sacrifice right. We've got to make sure, God, that you use us, Lord, like never before. Come on, there's so much more available. Come on, let's come and seek him today. God, lead us. Lead us to the place, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, we want the supernatural. We've got to we sacrifice for it. I wonder what would happen if everyone showed up before church they to pray. Maybe that's what revival looks like. When we're all drawn, there the God, I gotta come and pray before. I gotta give my sacrifice name. before the service. So much come on, let's worship Him. In 
Let's cry out to him. Let's follow that cloud. Follow that fire today. Words the same. We know that hope is never lost. It's not about me, Lord, it's about you. For there is still an empty Worship Him together today. Let's magnify Him. So much power in Your name. the find somebody to pray with. Let's bind together and believe. Where two or three agree in my name, he's here in the midst. Come on, let's let's bind together as one body. Let's believe and pray for miracles, signs and wonders. God, use my brother. Use my sister. Touch their needs, their lives. Hallelujah. We plead the blood of Jesus today. Come on, let's bind together. Hallelujah. 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 Trust in you, God, you have Hallelujah, the final Jesus. say, yes, you are the way when there seems to be no way, and we trust in you, cause you have the final say.
of the Lord. Magnify him, Jesus. Hallelujah. How great you are, Lord. How great you are, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Man, while we are here in this place feeling what we feel, Man, there are others that are not here, unable to make it. And so it's on the, up to us to take what we have here and share it with them out there. Man, those that are watching online because they can't be here, amen, we, we're going to release the power of God in their lives and their homes. Amen. We're going to close out this service in prayer. We want to pray for all those that are not here, those that are sick. Amen. Sister Gay Parkinson asked, if we can pray for her and her family, she's watching us right now. We know that there are people that are battling COVID. Amen. Sister Lisa in the hospital, we're going to pray for her. Amen. We believe, we feel the power and the glory of God in here. We want to release it in our lives, release that healing virtue, the healing power of God. Let's bind together right now and pray, Lord Jesus. Lord, we come to you right now, Lord. In one mind, in one accord, Jesus. We know each and every need, God, that is spoken and unspoken. God, those that are those that are hurt, those that are battling sickness and disease. Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus Christ over them. 
that the healing virtue of God, Lord, that your glory would show up in their room. They would feel your power and your presence that you begin to stir their hearts right now as we're calling upon you, Jesus. We're declaring a healing. We're declaring a victory in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's clap on the Lord. Hallelujah. Shout with a voice of triumph. We're believing for healing and deliverance and victory. Hallelujah in their lives. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. We need to be the sacrifice for others that can't do it. And that may mean that we need to fast because they can't fast. I wonder if there would be some people here that would fast this week, especially for for healing and deliverance for people. You'll you'll skip out on a meal or or fast today. Say, hey, God, I'm going to be that sacrifice so that the glory will fall in somebody else's life. I'll be that burnt offering so that you can show your power into somebody else's life. I believe that we unite together. I believe we'll see greater things than ever before. If we're willing to be that sacrifice... Amen. The glory of God is going to come down. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Let's go and release the glory into people's lives.